Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name as ever is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me on the show today. Now I'm recording this episode after the result of the general election. Of course I know now as you do that uh, the Conservative Party secured a slender majority and were elected into into government. And I guess that uh, on the positive side probably means an element of continuity and probably the fact that it's a slender majority rather than a, a substantial one um you know might well you know keep things sort of within a tight rein perhaps over the next 5 years because um they're going to need you know no rebellions from backbenchers etc to get some of the policies through so i guess on the plus side stability and you know nothing too outlandish uh, I, I can say but and on the negative you know i guess there were some aspects of uh, some of the other parties which were more uh, progressive certainly on the supply side of housing uh, certainly on the supply on the uh, on the area of tenant protection um which um, probably a lot of people might have been disappointed uh, hasn't come through so um you know i don't have a, a strong view on the subject um i, I guess though a lot of uh, landlord investors perhaps would be uh, breathing a sigh of relief at least that uh, the whole prospect of rent controls which was uh, a significant labor party uh, policy is uh, uh, is, is perhaps not coming into place. I think that was a, a little bit worrying on that side of it. Um, not sure if that influenced the, the outcome of the election in its own right, but, um, it was certainly topical within the, the housing community, uh, at least. So, um, there we go. But on today's show, I think it's, a, it's a bit of a, a part two or a take two, and two is a bit of a running theme, actually. Um, you know, f- throughout the, the, the course of the next uh, half an hour. And I'm going to let Kaza explain what's coming up. But um, it is a part two, as I mentioned, because last week, obviously, we had uh, lettings and management and my chart show and the interview with Damien Fogg. And um, at the same time as reaching out to Damien, I also reached out to Tim Leffler, who is a letting agent or he works for a letting agency. Very professional. And uh, he was kind enough to, to lend me some of his time as a subject matter expert. So we have a, a, a piece from him that I'd like to share with you on today's show. And um, because the content is so good, as it always is actually from Tim when I've dealt with him, I, I really wanted to feature it in the show. And so I decided to build a, a part two to the whole subject of, of lettings and management. Um, and, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about what I call too good and too bad, which I've uh, flagrantly stolen from Match of the Day 2 uh, as a feature for my Property Chatter segment. So anyway, without further ado, I'd just like to say, Kaza, how are you? Uh, welcome to, to another show. And uh, please, why don't you share with us what the listeners can look forward to over the next half an hour? Hi, Richard. It's great to be here and I am looking forward to a slightly different format in today's show. I know you are going to share some of your own stories of agents and tenants in property chatter. Then and as you mentioned, we have a quick fire interview with Tim Leffler this week, who is a subject matter expert in the area of lettings and management. This follows on nicely from Damien Fogg's contribution last week promoting the self-management route, as Tim works for a lettings agency. 
Whilst we don't have any reviews to share this week, that is not because there aren't any. In fact they are accumulating nicely and our podcast was featured under the iTunes New and Noteworthy section this week, so we must be doing something right. Finally, we have a technical resource in the shout-out segment. But right now Richard, let's get back to you for property chatter. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Okay, thank you, Kaza, for that. Really appreciate that introduction to the show. It's always good to hear from you. And um, yeah, as I mentioned in, in, in the sort of uh, introduction to the show today, that this is a kind of a part two. Lettings and management is a big subject. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, buying and selling property to uh, certainly for long term buy to let is only a small part, actually, of the life cycle of, uh, of property, uh, property management. And in fact, the whole lettings um, you know, component is something that repeats time and time again. And uh, if we hold property for any period of time, say 10 or 20 years, you know, it could be longer actually on occasions, we're probably going to go through a number of different issues in terms of letting, reletting, management and maintenance issues and that sort of thing. So by far, actually, the biggest component of being a property investor who is investing in long-term buy-to-let, it's one of the most significant aspects of, uh, of what we're talking about. So obviously, I mentioned that I've got the uh, the subject matter interview, uh, subject matter expert interview with uh, Tim Leffler coming up, and there was such good content in that that I really wanted to to feature it in this segment. So, what I thought I would do is to share some of my personal experience um, with uh, agents and tenants in the area of lettings and management, just just to give a little bit of insight and uh, and context to to the subject. And I've I've come up with a a catchy phrase of too good and too bad. So that's too good stories and two bad stories uh, with regard to um, to to letting agents and tenants now um, let's let's start with the agents uh, you know perhaps setting the scene for, for Tim a little bit here but um, the first story is going to be a bad one unfortunately so um, yeah let's get the bad news out of the way first and um, in fact actually Tim Tim is uh, is connected throughout these two stories but you'll hear very in a very positive way so I actually went to, uh, I have a property in the Boston area and I went to a letting agent there and um, as Tim actually mentions in his interview, I, I spoke to him personally and uh, he impressed me, he impressed me a lot actually and in, in fact had influenced me in terms of deciding to go with that letting agency. But um, probably hear from some of the experience I subsequently had that a lot of what happened there was actually down to him as an individual and that's actually one of the takeaways from this story that it you know if you're relying on the individual it's perhaps a little bit risky and I'll explain so just to put it in context we're talking about from an agent's point of view and um, after Tim had moved on in fact uh, the, there was no problems when Tim was looking after my property everything ran like clockwork and um, he, in fact, he gave great, great advice and, and he was very proactive. But Tim actually took up an, another position with another agency in the town. And as a result, um, I, was, I, you know, I was during a tenancy and it wasn't convenient. And I think I was under contract anyway to stay with the letting agent. So I think I just stayed with that agent. And there, there was, um, I think, actually, to put it right, very quickly after Tim moved on, I had a change of tenancy, but it was too early really to transfer over to Tim. So just to get the right detail, the right context. But um, needless to say, the agent 
um, found a tenant and all seems to be going well. They found a tenant quite quickly and they moved in. And uh, from the tenant point of view, it actually wasn't a problem. They were good tenants. Uh, they seemed keen. They wanted to stay for a long time. And in fact, have asked me about keeping chickens, which is a good thing because they're asking me at least. Uh, but I guess anyone who wants to keep chickens possibly wants to stay for a while. So that for me is quite attractive. But I digress for my point, which was that the agent, um, unbeknown to me, um, had not issued, uh, had not protected the deposit in very simple terms and indeed had not issued prescribed information in a timely manner. Now, this is very serious. Um, it's a very serious issue with regard to uh, landlord and tenant issues. And uh, I think I alluded to it in what, in the last episode that indeed, you know, there are consequences onto the landlord of that type of action failing. So, for example, not protecting the deposit and, and issuing prescribed information can lead to a fine. I think it's up to three times the extent of the deposit. So it's quite a substantial penalty just, just for not complying with the timing. Then if there were any problems with that particular tenancy and I needed to go to court to, let's say, enforce a Section 21 notice and get my property back um, at the at the end of uh, the six-month period or 12-month period as, as appropriate, I wouldn't be able to enforce that without the adequate uh, deposit protection being in place. And I would have to give the money back to the tenant and uh, and then start again from that point of view. So it delays things. Uh, I wouldn't have the deposit protection and, uh, and and obviously it damages my reputation. So, you know, that, that wasn't very good. I think the other thing that transpired is what really alerted me to the problem in actual fact was the um, the tenant themselves. Uh, because they were getting more and more frustrated with the agent and I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. Apparently there were a range of uh, repair and maintenance issues that were being reported you know, from a fairly early stage of being in the property and the tenants basically were, were literally told we don't want to bother the landlord with that information or that's a minor issue and we're not going to bother with that. And you know, I'm talking about a, a radiator that wasn't working in a child's bedroom. Uh, I'm talking about a plug not not being operative in a bath. I'm talking about the shower not working. And things came to a... I didn't know about any of this, I hasten to add. And, and things came to a bit of a head when um, actually I got a call from a plumber. Uh, I'm not really sure how he got my number. I think it might have been connected to Tim, but I'm not sure. So this plumber contacted me and said, I'm just wanting to let you know that I'm dealing with the tenants in your property. They've asked me to come in personally rather than the agency because they're fed up with the agent. And cut a long story short, your heating is not working. And so the tenants had no heat and no hot water and it'd been the same for a couple of days. And the tenants had tried to escalate this to the letting agent, but you know, to no avail. They were just getting no response. So Obviously, as a result of this, I got the tenant's contact information. I spoke to them direct. Now, following on from my point about outsourcing and being hands-on, I was actually skiing in France when this call came through. So I was I was making these calls, you know, in the evenings and whatnot, to the plumber and to the tenant whilst the whilst this whole thing was going on, whilst on on holiday in France. So. Um, it, it would have been difficult if I was literally self-managing to to cope with that. But equally, obviously, if I've got a bad agent, it's no good either. So I think that's part of the, the lesson that uh, I wanted to emphasize. But um, the, the tenant outlined what had been going on. And um, it was, to be honest, quite clear that um, 
there was there was something amiss. The agent wasn't really doing their job properly. And despite the fact that I subsequently obviously went back and checked with the agent and they told me their version of events and it was all, you know, uh, twisted around and, and minimized. Um, but I know who I believe and, and not least of which because of what I've just said about the prescribed information and the deposit not being protected. I think that is so fundamental is actually unforgivable uh, for an agent not to do that on my behalf. And obviously it left me responsible for any consequences, possibly them jointly, but, you know, as we'll find out later on, that's, that's sort of irrelevant. Needless to say, um, I want, you know, this, this for me is like a, a shock. It's, it's terrible. I, I hate to be in that position. I want to be a good landlord. I'm accredited by the National Landlord Association. I respond to repair issues. If you were to ask any of my agents or my tenants, uh, repairs are dealt with promptly. You know, I, I want to look after my properties and therefore look after my tenants. So that's, that's very much my, my approach. And so, of course, I was mortified, literally mortified. And so, but I have to say, I think the tenant, she was a very nice lady. I think she understood my position and my approach and of course uh, I wanted to put things right quickly so you know I sanctioned all the works that were needed to be done uh, I even uh, covered the cost of uh, of the of the heating that she had to get in temporarily and um, and, and that kind of thing and so we worked things out between us um, needless to say I <laughs> quite quickly uh, confronted the agent and just said, look, this is not acceptable. And I wanted to take my um, management agreement elsewhere, which I duly did. And, you know, I think, to be honest, the agent, he knew, despite the fact that he was, um, you know, d disputing the point or, um, you know, trying to refute it. And I asked for evidence, which he, he couldn't really provide. Um, he, he, he cut me loose to, to coin a phrase. And so um, I actually went over to um, Tim Tim Leffler, who you'll hear from, who who had left this agent and gone to work for another agent in the in the town, and you know I have have to report that this is several months ago now, and uh, things have been running much much more smoothly. So, there's the bad agent story that I kind of wanted to share with you. Here's a good story, and of course, you know you wouldn't you'd be surprised if I didn't mention that it related to Tim. So Tim, first of all, worked for this first agency, and uh, as I mentioned, he was um, he offered me an awful lot of advice from the outset um, in terms of things like uh, I had an LPG gas cylinder to power the um, the cooker there, so that's a bit unusual. Normally, you've got gas central heating and a boiler and this sort of thing, and he was able to offer me advice, certainly in terms of safety certification and this sort of thing. Um, equally, it's an unusual property. It's semi-rural, and so it had an oil-fired oil heating system. So it was a boiler, but it was oil-fired. So he was able to give me advice in that respect, uh, in terms of having the system um, maintained regularly. And there were wood burners inside the property. It sounds quite nice, doesn't it? <laughs> there were wood burners inside the property. And so uh, he talked to me about having it prop uh, the chimney properly, or the flues properly swept, so that uh, I there was no risk of any carbon monoxide building up in the rooms because of the wood burners, and indeed to fit um, carbon monoxide uh, detectors. And um, this was before recent uh, legislation, which has brought that in into being. So he was very much up, and I could give you a whole list of things that Tim is aware of, and was able to advise me of and uh, I found him invaluable so you know that was when he was working for the old agency and of course when I I switched this particular property to the new agency where he had gone to um, he, he he was equally helpful I have to say so you know it shows to, to me the value of 
you know, a good agent and a bad agent, but equally a good person working for an agency versus not working for that same agency and how standards can drop. So I guess the takeaway learning from this little uh, story, this little insight is, um, yeah, people work with people and I think that's a really good thing. Um, I'm the same, obviously, but it's looking beyond just the personal relationships. It's looking at the accreditation, the standards, the systems, um, the contingency plans uh, and those sort of things that the agent has in place. So it, it all boils down to proper due diligence and checks and making sure. And in fact, Tim actually does a good job in the interview of outlining some of the uh, steps that we can take to protect ourselves as landlords. So they're my, that's my, my bad story and my good story, if you like, with regard to, to letting agents. So, so moving on from, from the letting agent story, the other story I wanted to share or the, the other uh, side of this is, uh, is about tenants. Um, now, you know, I don't want to be shot down in flames here. I'm obviously going to give a perspective uh, on, a, on the good side and on the bad side. So here's a story of uh, a bad experience that I had with some, some tenants. Now, essentially, this was a, a property I have down in Cornwall. And there was a family who were relo relocating from the Midlands down to the region. And, you know, because they're relocating and indeed because the, 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 the husband in the family, the father and husband in the family, he was uh, self-employed and he, you know, he didn't have the, the work, if you like, to substantiate the income um, when he relocated. So, of course, there's probably alarm bells ringing already. Uh, there probably should be. And, and indeed, there are now for me going forward in this situation. But I, I believed, you know, they want, they needed a bit of a break and support. And so, you know, okay, I did take some protection in terms of uh, some advanced rent and this sort of thing. But uh, I took them on board when perhaps, you know, many people wouldn't and perhaps now I wouldn't. But uh, I took them into the property and the first six months went fine. Uh, the second six months, it came up for renewal and the, uh, the the job situation hadn't really taken off. And I said, well, let's let's kind of renew on a similar basis, which which basically involved the payment of some advanced uh, rent. And um, this was agreed to but didn't happen very easily. Um, in fact, you know, it was quite quite a challenge. I didn't get the money on time. And when I did get some money, it wasn't all of the money. Um, you know, and then there was communication issues. There was obviously something going on behind the scenes there. And, uh, you know, but the, the biggest single issue was the lack of communication. I just want to highlight that. So, you know, financial problems, it sounded like some stress in the background. Uh, they were asking me if I'd go on a month-by-month -month contract. And, you know, I said I, I was prepared to consider that. But only if they work with me, which was, you know, that they put in place a, a plan to, to clear off some of the, uh, the arrears that were there. And also that we, we have an agreement understanding that we communicate with one another in a, in a, in an open way if there are problems. But that was proving to be a little bit difficult. Anyway, needless to say, um, the, in, in round figures, the, the tenancy was due to expire in February, but come December, they just, just gave notice and left, even though the tenancy was still in place. But they left, but keeping the keys. So they didn't actually surrender the tenancy. Now, we talked about the fact they needed to give notice. And I didn't really mind if they wanted to leave, but I, I made it clear to them that I needed to um, find somebody else to take their position to uh, relieve them, if you like, of their, of their liability and their responsibility. But of course, uh, for whatever reason, they weren't prepared to listen to me. And uh, in fact, they weren't prepared to listen to, there was an agent involved, uh, listen to them either. So needless to say, they'd left. 
But unbeknown to me, what they'd also done is they'd notified all the utility companies and the council that they had vacated the property, I transferred all the bills into my name, and in fact gave incorrect meter readings. So I got, uh, you know, it's quite quite some time later actually, through some redirected mail, I got a very nasty surprise with some bills, which not really my responsibility. So this is what happened, and there were some damage and repairs that had to be dealt with through uh, through the deposit. So the deposit was actually used pretty much to deal with cleaning and damage and repairs. The, there was these ongoing communication issues that I mentioned, and uh, and as I say, they left but didn't actually properly vacate, so it made remarketing the property difficult because they, whilst they'd moved out, they left a lot of their stuff there, so it was a bit of a mess, frankly, um, and they, had, they were neither in the here nor there. So it was just a challenge, and I think the biggest single issue there was just one of communication, and uh, perhaps I could have worked with them and if it had been dealt with in a different way. So um, that wasn't such a good experience from a tenant point of view. But on the positive side, um, I've I've had a number of good experiences. But the one I wanted to share with you is that I uh, I have a, another property um, in in the Slough area, and the the tenants who moved in there they they were actually great. You know they um, to some extent it kind of too good. Uh, and I'll let me explain that. So for example, they wanted to resolve a number of the issues that they identified, um, you know, on their own. So for example, the pump stopped working on the shower. And the chappy there, he just went and tried to fix it. And um, that's all commendable and it's great. It's not something I, I want my tenants to be doing. Um, you know, I sh- it's my responsibility to make sure that's repaired and in good working order. So I take my responsibility seriously, but I just want to explain, you know, a little bit about the tenant's attitude. So uh, he had a good go at fixing it. I think it was fixed temporarily and then it needed a replacement. So obviously I got involved at that point in time and got to hear about the fact that uh, he'd been propping it up. But all the inspections that have been done, the property is always immaculate. It's very, very clean. They're really good neighbours in 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 the in the local area. It's quite a small community that they're in, so they can actually make quite a big difference in in terms of that community. So they've been as good as gold, and you know they they've renewed the tenancy. They're they're going to stay for a long time. They're a family, and that suits me absolutely fine. I'm in no rush to to move them on. And uh, as I say, it's good as gold. So if anything, I probably need to make sure that we do pick up on issues and deal with them, and you know make sure nothing gets you know they they're just picking up the responsibility. So I can't. I just wanted to share that you know, story, if you like, the the too good and the too bad of uh, dealing with agents and dealing with tenants. So because this is a, a part two of the um, the lettings and management uh, s- uh, episode in the series, um, I'm actually going to do things slightly differently. I'm going to uh, queue up Tim's interview as the Your Voice segment today. So there won't be any reviews or any other uh, listener contributions. The Your Voice will be Tim's voice today. So we're going to queue that up right now. Up next is Your Voice. It's all about you and your property world. Okay, so I'm, as I mentioned, uh, and, and following on from last week where we had uh, Damien Fogg as our subject matter expert come in and tell us all about self-managing and self-managing in terms of property, um, it would only be fair if there's a right of reply, as it were. So uh, I'm very happy to report that even on a Sunday evening that we have Tim Leffler with, here, with us here today, uh, who's given up some, some of his weekend just to share with us best practice. So I actually met him a few years ago now as a letting agent, and he's still my letting agent in, in, the, uh, in, in the Boston area of the country. Uh, in fact, I, I followed him to his, uh, his latest uh, agency, so that should, tells you something. And I, I would actually say this in anticipation of him speaking, but um, 
you know, really is one of those guys who gives his time freely, is extremely professional, and he's very, very much up to date on things. So um, that's my experience of him. But Tim, just tell us a little bit about your experience as a letting agent and uh, your experience in property generally, if you like. Give us a sense of scale and time, if you don't mind. Yeah, I've been in uh, the letting world since uh, 2007, and um, I've been with three different agencies, two good, one not so good. Um, but uh, the agency I'm now with, we manage around about a 1,000 properties. We have five full-time property managers and support staff um, behind that. Uh, and uh, we see quite a lot of the good, the bad, and uh, hopefully not too much of the ugly, the way we manage our properties. Um, but uh, there's not a lot that surprises us now. Well, that sounds great. I mean, it does sound like we've got the right person in the chair to qualify as subject matter expert this week. So, as you know, we're, we're giving the response from the letting agent side. But is, you didn't mention there that you have some experience on the other side of the fence as well. Is that right? Yeah, I'm also, yes, I'm also a, a, a landlord myself. I, um, I did 20 years in the RAF and I'd let out a property when I was sent abroad. Um, had a miserable time with two very poor agents in, in Norwich. Um, but it didn't put me off buying properties later on. And, um, you know, I am a, a landlord in my own right. I have run my three properties myself. Uh, and hopefully now that the election's out of the way, looking to extend again uh, and uh, build the portfolio further. Excellent. So both sides of the fence, as I mentioned. So into the questions then, the quick fire questions. Um, can we start with number one? What what are your top three tips for a new or a fairly new landlord investor, yeah, specifically in terms of uh, lettings or management? Yeah, the top three tips I'd say to any any new landlord. Number one is don't buy until you can afford to buy, and and by that mean I mean is is make sure you've got headroom to pay for eventualities. Um, if you are buying below market value properties, then expect problems to come with that property because it's very often not being properly maintained. As someone's trying to sell it below market value, they've got a reason for it. And uh, along with that is test drive the property before letting it so you can find issues um, before the tenant does. Uh, a second main main answer to that would be uh, research your target area, um, preferably before you buy into it. But certainly if you bought something, then make sure you know about it. Um, and, um, you know, you want to buy a property that will rent, rent well. So, um, you know, research is so important to, for that. And a lot of people buy on a whim or think it's a cunning plan and then regret it later. Um, I would wait until you're fully established before you take the more risky properties um, and you've got a sort of a bit of background to that. Uh, and finally, my, my, my third tip, and I guess you would say I would say it, but it is choose to go with an agent and choose them wisely. It's all very well to go it alone once you're fully established and you've got a lot of experience under your belt. But there's a hell of a lot of things that can go wrong and a good letting agent will um, show you the way and probably train you into um, you know what is the good good ways to do letting and maybe you can fly solo once you've had a, a letting agent look after them if that's what you want to do yeah well, i should get you and damien in the same room it should be interesting then i should think <laughs> him him in the blue corner representing self I, I would love to, i would love to do that Okay, maybe we should. Maybe we'll do that later on. It's just an off-the-cuff idea. But I like what you said about don't buy until you afford to, because a lot of people ignore uh, a lot of the costs which are not planned costs. Um, you didn't mention them specifically, but I'm guessing you're talking about. You did mention some maintenance, but there's also voids and arrears and that sort of thing that people often don't factor in. Is that that's uh, right? Uh, Go ahead. Absolutely, it's 
it's always a serious worry to me when I get a, a landlord who has obviously stretched themselves to get their, their first property and then they bought it at an all-time good time price and then suddenly they've got a new boiler to fix or a roof to mend or you know an unexpected void period and I'm dealing with my junior one of my junior property managers at the moment has got a landlord that can't afford to repair a shower um, and the tenants have got no washing facilities and she said well I can't afford it we again well you've got to um, and we've got to come come up with a cunning plan to sort it it is a deep worry when people really you know wait a few extra months until you've saved it um, or you've got some finance available because it is not cheap setting up as any experienced landlord will tell you yeah. is there there are pitfalls and you need to be aware of them so so Tim tell me what are the top three steps the landlord can take when selecting a good letting agent yeah, selecting a good letting agent, I would say don't judge them on their fees, judge them on how they operate. Um, look at, make sure that you interview all your letting agents that you're looking to, to try and, uh, and use. Um, check that they're, I would say, check that they've got proper qualifications because without the qualifications, they could be, um, there's a be, could be huge gaps in their knowledge. Um, make sure that they, I would say, make sure that they're with Arla or Ricks, um, that they have client money protection. Um, and also choose an, uh, an agent that is willing to work with you and, and not just take your money and, and offer you advice and guidance through there and you can learn from them and then from that if you don't want to go with an agent anymore at least you've had some good training and grounding from someone who's an expert and they'll probably always speak to you because they want your business back. Yeah absolutely totally agree with you and I think uh, a bit later on I'm going to ask you a bit more questions about the value an agent can bring but um but moving to the next point, what, what's the biggest potential pitfall or the biggest warning to relatively inexperienced landlord investors uh, when, uh, you, big, when, yeah, when using an agent specifically? Yeah, the biggest pitfall is engaging an agent who has none of the qualifications we've just discussed before. Um, that If you go for the cheapest, there's so many holes and they can lead you astray in, in so many ways. You know, don't, if you choose an agent who offers unrealistically cheap fees, they must be doing something where they're cutting, they're cutting their corner somewhere. Um, and also, don't choose an agent who is anti, has an anti-tenant attitude that always speaks down of tenants because uh, if they've got an anti-tenant attitude, they'll probably be having a lot of problems building up uh, with the tenants. And if it's your property that's got a problem tenant, you want someone that actually works with tenants to try and sort it. Yeah, again, good advice. And a um, little bit off the wall, this one, perhaps, but... Uh... What's the funniest or strangest experience that you might have had with a landlord or tenant? Well, I know I know you had a conversation with Damien and uh, he mentioned poltergeists and bizarrely, um, I guess, uh, funny as well as strange is we've had another tenant blaming uh, damage to the property on a poltergeist um, <laughs> really? that, uh, that lives in the property with them as well. It's, uh, it's um, I guess they may... You know, anyone will avoid anything um, if they if they uh, can, and uh, blaming on something that you can't prove or disprove uh, seems a possible logical thing. But uh, there's always strange reasons for why damage is done to uh, to properties at the end of a tenancy. Um, dogs eat things, uh, mice chew things, next door's cat did something. Um, it's never their fault. So this seems sounds like this poltergeist is getting around quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's obviously in different properties. <laughs> yeah, it must be, must be. Unless it's the same property, who knows? <laughs> um, but well. so, some would some would say some would say that you can save money. Uh, this might be a contentious question. Some say you can save money by self-managing. But what would you say are the main value drivers that an agent can bring to a landlord? 
you definitely can save money by not paying an agent's fees, but I think you know it's what where you'd see your what your money and time is. It releases valuable time to do other things. Um, it provide uh, a good agent will provide you with essential advice on legalities and the shifting sands of legislation. Um, it also gives you the impersonal touch that you don't get personally involved with tenants, and that for a lot of people can uh, actually be um, a good thing because. Uh, People don't like confrontation and there can be requirements to be firm and, and slightly contentious with tenants. Uh, and that sort of passes it on to a third party. Um, and also, I think very much the sort of the, the top of the shot would be they, a good agent will manage problems as they arise. And if you manage problems when they happen, they don't become disasters uh, and hopefully you, you can get an early resolution. Yeah, I can say from personal experience and, you know, in our, our time, Tim, that you've always managed to keep on top of problems and given me good advice. So uh, I'll support that, uh, that that side of the argument for sure. And um, just turning to the other side, though, um, you know, Thank make, you. making your um, your job harder as landlords, we sometimes do things, don't we, which don't really help you. What What are the sort of things that we do that make your life more difficult? One of the, the, the worst things that a landlord can do is speak direct to a tenant and come to an agreement that the, the agent doesn't know about until, you know, far on down the line. And uh, a classic case was I went to do a checkout uh, and the TV aerial was removed um, off the top of the house and it was stacked in a shed at the back. I said, what happened to the TV aerial? And he said, oh, well, the landlord let me because the birds were sitting over, the aerial was over my car and it, they, they, you know, there's guano handy up on the car. And uh, the landlord said I could move it. Nobody told us. So we were just about to bill him for a new aerial erection. Uh, and it was an agreement with the landlord and many other worse things. Um, the second one would be uh, not having the financial facilities to pay for something, as we discussed earlier. Um, you know, you've got to be prepared to fork out when maintenance is needed to look after your tenants. You've got to be able to be able to maintain the property uh, and take it on the chin because uh, trying to delay repairs and maintenance gives you unhappy an, uh, tenants and an unhappy agent, and it often leads to uh, tenants leaving. And I've got a case of that exactly now where a landlord's been tardy in repairing uh, and the tenant has now given notice, uh, and he's probably going to end up with a void period because we won't let it until he's sorted the problems out. Mm. Well, you know, you and I have spoken actually quite a few times, even in, you know before this call, but in, in months gone by about you know a landlord's responsibilities and, and just trying to make... The whole, um, I can call it profession, well, it's not really a profession but actually, but the whole industry a little bit more professional. So uh, I think certainly taking repairs and maintenance seriously and having, you know, treating it like a business and having money and, you know, prepared for those eventualities, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I can see why talking directly to Ted. Absolutely, tenants, I mean. Yeah, go on. Sorry, go on. Absolutely. I mean, letting is, is very much a business. The, the land, inland revenue sees it as you are running a business. Uh, and you've got to provide customer service. If you go to court, you'll be treated as a business uh, and not providing proper business facilities. Uh, and so it, it, one of the things in all of my guidance notes to, to new landlords is you are starting a business and set it up as a business and run it as a business. Yeah, absolutely. So um, last question from me, and it's really just to say thank you in a way, is, um, is how can people find out a little bit more about you if they want to get in touch with you? I know we've, we've whistled through some questions um, and I'm, you've given us some really good insights and advice there, Tim. So how can people connect with you if they'd like to? Um, I know that a lot of people find me uh, and I really enjoy is the propertyhub.net uh, online. It's a, it's a free forum to join. 
and um, there's some fantastic guys on there, yourself, Rob Dix, uh, and co. Uh, and I'm always sort of, uh, we'll put the agent um, view view for people and we'll try and respond to people's uh, um, knottier issues. That if I can if I can put something down, um, hopefully people have found some really useful there. Um, I, I go under the nom de plume of Tim Ragby, um, and I also use that for my Twitter feed. Uh, and again, I, I try and pass out all the useful things I can on on Twitter, and that's at Tim Ragby, and that's Ragby spelt W-R-A-G-B-Y. Um, I also work in the Boston area of, in Lincolnshire, so it's not exactly a high density area. Uh, and work for a, a really good local agency, uh, Hill and Clark, who uh, pay me my daily my daily bread so that I can uh, enjoy doing property. I just love property and uh, doing an interview like this or, or, or spending time online trying to help someone with a problem is uh, an enjoyment rather than a, than a chore. Thanks for that, Tim. I'm sure that you'll probably will get a, a surge in Twitter followers now, having given such good advice. And I've always seen you do that, and you give your, your advice and your time freely and in depth. So uh, thanks for joining us on the on the Property Voice podcast. I really appreciate that, and it's been great to talk to you and hear hear your professional insights. You're very welcome. Great to speak to you, Richard. Thanks a lot, Tim. Cheers. And now, where you can go for more great resources with a shout out. Okay, so we've uh, we've obviously rattled through my too good, too bad, and we've had the your voice contribution this week from Tim Leffler. So hopefully you've introduced uh, introduced enjoyed that contribution, that slightly different take on things this week. Uh, probably re- normal service resume next week. But um, in terms of the shout out this week, it's uh, it's going to be nice and simple. It's more of a technical resource, and uh, I don't know if you've ever found that you you know you're sending in uh, emails out. And you wonder if somebody's actually got them. Now, there are the send receipts and the delivery notifications and this sort of thing. You can get through Outlook and that type of thing. But they're easy to bypass, in all honesty. So um, I have heard of tools that are used with uh, with Google and this sort of thing. But um, if you're like me, and in a lot of people, 90%, or I reckon it is, something like that, use something like uh, Outlook. Maybe it's not 90%, but it's quite a large majority. And so there's a tool, there's an app called Sidekick. And that's uh, an email tracking tool. And it can be used with uh, uh, webmail and indeed through, there's an Outlook plugin. So the shout out this week is this, uh, this application called uh, Sidekick. And it just gives you a nice little notification when somebody's opened your email or it's being forwarded on to someone else. And it's, uh, it's nice and discreet. It's in the background. There's no action that's required or, or anything on the, on the recipient side. And it's, uh, I guess it's the spy in the cab equivalent uh, for email. So Sidekick is this week's shout out. So a little bit of a different episode this week i hope you found that useful and enjoyable and um, you know by all means do get involved in the show we would love to have your contributions in your voice we're loving the reviews sorry didn't uh, share any this particular week but they are they are accumulating i can see that and we really appreciate it so without any further ado by all means head over to the to the show notes uh, get engaged with the show but uh, for another week it's ciao ciao from me ciao ciao Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.